This podcast is produced by Unedited. It's like activism is kind of fashionable now. Oi! You know, we can have this hashtag me too, but ultimately it's about how do we change their behaviour. When we came on the scene, everyone was like, oh my God, these girls have come on the scene. But there was so much hard work. We need to show that there's lots of different types of black girls. There's not just one angry black woman. There's lots of us. Hi, I'm Anika Allen and welcome to episode five of the Black Magic Podcast. This podcast series is about black British women that do extraordinary things. In each episode, you get to hear their stories. Today, I'm in the studio with Tanya Moore, comedian, host and all around funny lady and Sophia Leone, who's an actress and writer. Later on in the episode, we're going to be hearing from Sabrina Washington, who is the lead singer from the girl group Mystique. Before I start, I want to shout out a podcast that I've just started listening to. That's When You Get A Dog is a new podcast for women over 30. I'm in that age group. Just, just, I'm just telling you, just in that age group. Host Renee Richardson focuses on one key topic and speaks to women with different perspectives. In her debrief episodes, she's joined by a special guest to dig a little deeper into that topic. So episode one, to breed or not to breed. That featured women with very different views on having children. I'm deciding not to have them at all. There's something called platonic parenting. It's available on all good podcast apps, just search the name and subscribe. How are you ladies? Good. Hi guys. Good, thanks. <laughs> so happy to have you here. So first off, Tanya, yes. just kind of just give us a bit of your background. Tell us who, who you are, what you do. Well, at the moment, people know me as a comedian, but mm-hmm. my background is in drama and dance. So uh, my degree is in performing arts and dan- dance and drama. So, but recently I've been doing more stand-up comedy. Nice, yeah. nice. Oh, I've seen you on stage and you've caused me some belly hurting laughs. Good, that's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophia, let people know a bit more about your background and what it is that you do. Um, so I'm an actor um, and I'm just about to start a play called Hashtag Lighty at the Arcola Theatre. We've got a three week run there. Um, and I'm also a writer as well. I write a blog called Sophia and Stuff.com about life, love, identity, um, feminism, um, race issues, culture. Um, and sometimes I contribute to the magazine called Geldem. So I write for them as well. So both of you very busy ladies, <laughs> so I like to see. It's funny how, um, I guess as creatives, we all multitask and, you know, like you don't just do one thing. You so you, you're yeah. not just a comedian, you're a dancer, an actress. You're not just an actress, you're a writer as well. Even myself, I don't just do this podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know, writing, writing digital marketing yeah. and all yeah. sorts. So, and I guess that's the beauty of kind of being, I guess, women and people and creators and things being able to express ourselves in all these different ways yeah yeah and you find that a lot of things link in with something else so I found that with acting after a while you realize that there are lots of things there are lots of narratives that you think are not really being told and then you want to write them and then you want to write about them and you um, I don't know I just find that it makes you feel quite inspired to get involved in other creative industries actually all you know all our own ways we're all storytellers yes exactly yeah and I guess one of the things for me is is being able to tell black women's stories. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, hence mm. why I'm doing this podcast. Mm. And it's really important because mainstream media doesn't tell our stories. Um, and I think we've got further than we ever have done before. Yeah. So it's a great time, but there's still so far to go. Mm. And also I think that in mainstream media, there's one type of black girl. Mm. And yeah. that's not true. There's there's many different types of black girls. All three of us sitting here are three different types yeah. of black girls. We like three different things. We listen to three different sets of music. We, do you know what I mean? Mm. We need to show that there's lots of different types of black girls. There's not just one angry black woman who exists. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's lots of us. No, definitely. 
I mean, I guess if, when you think about black women, you're talking about your play that you're in, um, hashtag Lighty. Mm. Um, I guess that's one of the things that you, you kind of hear about on the media and the social media a lot at the moment talking about the kind of whole you know music videos you tend to see one type of girl yeah kind of thing, so yeah a, and you know um so I mean what are your thoughts on that I mean why is a play like this important um so yeah the play deals with the idea of um it's about being mixed race in the digital age and, and working out your working at a family working out their mixed race family working out their place in the world and who they are and one of the the daughters one of the young girls is totally obsessed with her self and her self image and she's a popular vlogger and she just thinks that she's beautiful because everyone tells her that she is beautiful and that she and um, so she calls herself hashtag lighty <laughs> very problematic mm-hmm. um but then she's forced to think about the fact that that isn't quite right and there are lots of reasons why that term is highly offensive. It mm. isn't complimentary. Mm. Um, and that reflect. And I think there's a lot of girls out there at the moment that are using those kind of hashtags that aren't really thinking beyond that because they're getting lots of likes um, and lots of praise on social media. They're really, they're seeing one type of, be- we're seeing one type of beauty and really celebrating that. And I think that's really, really problematic at the moment. Have you had any personal experience kind of dealing with that subject? Um... I'm not so much in terms of the, well, everybody's, I think, I think here is on Instagram and everyone sees this. (laughs) Um, But luckily, I think if you can follow alternative things, like we have an opportunity to choose our media now. So Mm. we don't have to buy into that. It's very easy to buy into that look of, you know, contoured lips and um, long weave and things like that. Mm. We can buy into it and it's easy and it's, and it's kind of fun. But you don't have to. We can follow other people. There are so many interesting black female voices out there saying something interesting. There's amazing Instagram accounts, Twitter accounts and lots of social media out there. We've just got to be active. And I try and do that. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes, you know, I realise I'm following lots of people that seem really similar. (laughs) But we can if we... And I think it's down to us to make sure that we have a variety of narratives and a variety of images mm. on our timeline. I guess people like what they like and, and it's all good yeah. while saying that, but yeah. people <laughs> people tend to kind of stick stick in their lane and follow the same thing. And things that's why it's hard. Yeah. And you always, I mean, I hate that saying, oh, you're pretty for a dark skinned girl. Hey, that's my friend. And I mean, obviously, Tanya, you've got dreads yeah. and kind of natural hair and things. I mean, even that kind of in itself, you know, seen Changes as, the whole game it changes who approaches you now it changes how they talk to you it changes what they call you it changes everything in what way so you know you i don't get baby love no more i'm queen and empress which i'm not complaining about but i didn't know change like i'm no longer baby love like what happened i'm no i'm no one size anymore like, how do you feel about that do you feel like you're still being um you still get judged because mm. you know like for example there are you know you, there's people who wear dreads and then you've got people who follow the rastafarian culture and mm-hmm. so if you're somebody who just wears dreads then you're seen as quite offensive by the Rastafarian mm. culture. Yeah, it's really crazy because... Because oh. you're seen as like you're doing it for fashion. Yeah. yeah. But I just want to wear my own hair in this way. I don't mm. know why I na- need to now follow a whole new religion. I was already following one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just changed my hair. That's it. It's but then people who don't have natural hair, they addressed me like, you know, I and I, sister, and making symbols. And, <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> 
I get the fun and joke in it, but it's really offensive. <laughs> you just shouldn't do that. Yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. It's, I'm not walking up to you and assuming that you're an airhead lighty because online that's what lighties come across as. Mm. And, you know, that's what they are. That's what they portray themselves to be. Or that's what, you know, like your Instagram girl or your loving hip hop girl mm. is normally a lighty who's half dressed I'm not addressing you in this fashion it's actually offensive for me to dress you it's in this fashion offensive. do you know what I mean it's really offensive yeah. so when you come to me in that way it's like okay it's funny but do you know what you're actually saying yeah. like it's really bad and most of those people are online talking about black people we must stand and unite mm. But at the same time, like not conscious, you're not conscious of what you're doing. You're buying tickets to Jamaica versus the world. You're buying, you know, you're participating in light skin, dark skin. You're, you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're still part. But then at the same time, you're like, listen to me, I'm an activist, and it's like, bro, you, you, you come on. <laughs> it's like almost I don't know what you guys think. Like activism is kind of fashionable now. Oi. Well, I guess in the one in one respect. I think it is fashionable right now. But then also I do, I am a big believer in that there is an activist in us all. And so we all have to find that cause. It's when you find that cause that actually brings it out in you and that you want to, you want to, you know, tell the world, this is, this is wrong. I want to fight against this. Mm. Then, um, then I think we all have the kind of responsibility and the capability to be able to do that. But with kind of, I guess, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter or kind of other issues that are out there at the moment, you know, some people have maybe just joined on the bandwagon to maybe get their numbers up on social media or just to kind of get, you know, get their name out there. But then there are the ones that are fighting the good fight that actually are doing it because, yeah, you know, they want to make a dif- they want to make yeah. a difference. I agree. Like, I, it is there is something about kind of jumping on the bandwagon, but I reckon generally that that can't be a bad thing because mm. I think in between like the the seventies when or the sixties when you know there was a real activist activism movement in the nineties and the two thousands there was kind of like nothing, and I think we've just had this long period of not really questioning or standing up to the mainstream and so I think it is quite exciting time I think Mm. it's a really exciting time even if some people are doing it like you said just to get their you know just to be cool or to wear I don't know Topshop sells feminist feminism t-shirts now Mm. like that is quite funny but at the same time we are thinking about stuff we're challenging stuff um, and I don't think that's a bad thing I think that's a really good thing Mm. would you guys class yourselves as feminists I don't think I'm a hardcore feminist, but I do believe in equality. Mm. You know, I do believe we should be getting the same treatment as men, pay as men. You know, all of it should be the same. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, not gonna die if it doesn't <laughs> happen. <laughs> I, I would say I am a feminist, like yeah. fully. I'm a feminist. I really do believe in feminism, and I'm. I think it's really important, especially the Me Too stuff that's happening now. People are talking about the the experiences that they faced. Um, the sexual harassment that mm. we have probably all experienced since we were about 13 or since we hit puberty, stuff like that was never really okay to talk about. Mm. And it's really important, I think, that it's really good that we're talking about it. Obviously, there's miles to go. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we've got so far to go, but I am a feminist and I support all the movements that are happening at the moment. Do you guys have a Me Too story? When I first um, hit puberty, I was. I looked, I looked quite young for my age now, but as, as a kid, I looked quite old for my age. So I must have looked, I don't know, maybe about 16 when I was about 11. Yeah. Um, and from being about 11, when I grew breasts, I guess, I would get harassed and followed in the street by grown men. 
And at first, being so young, I thought that I was being followed by like, you know, like the, the stranger, like yeah. stranger danger, mm. um, like nothing to do with sexual harassment. I couldn't even comprehend that. So I just told my mum that there was like a bad man that was, you know, following me in the street. And it was only till I got, it happened quite a few times, I realised that they, they want to talk to me and it's mm. not that. Um, and I... And that it just makes you feel incredibly uncomfortable. Like you're on show, like yeah. you're just going to school or you're just going to see your friends. It's kind of like you, you're out there. So you kind of, you look nice. So you deserve this unwanted attention. So that's kind of like how, one of the mild things. Um, one time a guy wanted to talk to me and um, I said no. And he said, come, come to the kind of, it was kind of like a, a corner and he pushed me up against the wall Um and literally tried to kind of grope my body and I screamed and someone came. Wow. So that was, that, and I was I was also 13 then. Jeez. So that was a literal physical sexual harassment. And what about as an actress, kind of like, you know, the whole casting couch kind of time? Have you, have you experienced it in that um, Not, I haven't actually experienced um, any kind of Weinstein type behaviour, I think. <laughs> Good one. Um, but I I used to do I used to do music videos in the um, early 2000s and I remember auditioning for a video and them asking if I would bend over for the camera and they said it so casually and then I said why because you know that's that's we want to see, that's going to be the video so we want to see if you can do it and I said <laughs> but what why and they just said look if you're not comfortable with it you won't be able to see this video so I ended up leaving the shoot but I just remember that awkwardness of me trying to challenge something that was so normal yeah you know you're a girl you're going to be in a music video bend over over for the camera oh gosh Um, and I and just feeling really really uncomfortable Uh, with that I hope you saw that video after I was like yeah I'm glad that weren't me that my ass in the air yeah (laughs) no I didn't I have no idea what happened to that video I mean you can imagine what it was yeah I mean all the the videos at that time Good. What about you, Tanya? What's your Me Too story? Um, I mean, on a, on a mild level, I think my Me Too story would be just the whole idea of you have to really think about how you dress before you go to a show, before you go on stage, because you get judged as you walk on stage. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So if I'm wearing something that's deemed to be too sexy, I'm going to lose a lot of the audience because a lot of the audience are female and they're probably with their male friend and they don't feel comfortable with someone maybe being sexier than they are even though you might not look better than them or whatever but just being in that position on the stage puts you in a different light and so on that level I find that annoying you can't just wear what you want to wear when you're going to the place that you love do you know what I mean Mm. which is really annoying it's because like you are suddenly sexualized. Yeah, instantly. Regardless, mm. you just might want to wear that clothes. Instantly. Uh, what, what's your Me Too story, Anika? I guess the one that's kind of, I guess, most vivid in my mind that happened when I was really young. Um, but I guess it happened in a different country. So it's it's a completely different culture in Jamaica. So I remember being in Jamaica and um, I was like, I was eight. And it was the first time in Jamaica. And I was playing on the street with the kids with Ralph. Um, um, down the road from my cousin's house and one of the other little girls was like I'll come and get a drink from my house I was like okay so I went to get a drink and I was sitting in there and then she um, disappeared to go make a drink and then all of a sudden her older brother came out of nowhere and he was about 15 and so I remember him coming up to me saying oh you know oh English girl you look good and I like 
okay, um, I'm eight, mm. <laughs> or whatever. And, stuff. and basically, I remember this boy saying, ah, oh, um, basically coming up to me and basically tried to kiss me. Hey. And so I'm eight, kind of thing. Wow. And obviously, I knew this was wrong anyway. So I was like, ah, oh, scared and just, <laughs> and just, just literally ran out there. But, you know, I, and I don't, I didn't tell anybody or anything. I didn't go back because I was there with my nan. So it wasn't even, my mum wasn't even with me at that time. So I didn't go out and say, oh, this boy just tried to kiss me. But I, I knew it was instinctive, mm. in, instantly it was wrong. I was just yeah. like, no come on kind of thing and and it's crazy because you read a lot now about what's happening in Jamaica and the kind of obviously you see the sexualization of mm. young um, young kids over there and and I mean even over here here and stuff when you kind of see some of the clothes and the what they're seeing in the music videos and things and and it's not right and it's not right how men think they can just because you know of this that they can just get away with things yes. so but you know we can have this hashtag me too but it's ultimately it's about how do we change their behaviour I think so because think it's not about us changing no. we're not doing anything wrong so it's not about us changing it's about the people changing. the perpetrators changing yeah. for so long it's been about you know don't wear this or don't drink too much if you go out or mm. don't. and all of these things are, are fine and, and make sense but really the problem isn't us the problem is men controlling their sexual urges quite frankly literally mm. And and knowing to be knowing that they are accountable for their sexual urges, mm-hmm. you know, if women are slightly turned on by something, we deal with that mm-hmm. and we get on with life. In fact, we suppress it because mm-hmm. we are told if we do, you know, if we are sexual beings, that we're whores, quite frankly. So we suppress that. <laughs> Literally, but men are are allowed and they get away with with this kind of predatory behaviour, and it and that's what needs to change. And What's that's a crazy big thing. The men that don't do it get like slandered like you should be doing like they're pushed to behave like this yeah. like, like you're, you're not, not a man yeah, yeah unless you behave in this fashion and when it comes to um, comedy it, what irritates me is that men are allowed to talk about whatever they want but mm. god forbid a woman open her mouth and say anything sexual swear mm. um, you know have you said about, have you, is there a joke that hasn't particularly gone down that well that you've kind of been like oh babes I open my mouth and nothing goes down well I to go <laughs> <laughs> because I refuse <laughs> I refuse to not talk about what I want to talk about don't get me wrong let me take that back before I put that into the atmosphere but no I refuse to not talk about um, things because it makes people feel uncomfortable um, there are some things that I say that instead of getting a laugh people's reaction is like oh my god she just said that and I'm like I did I just said it like take it in I want an example now we need an example I don't, don't I've, I've got to. One, okay one joke that I, I don't tell anymore unless like I'm in a room where I'm like they're gonna love this is a joke <laughs> about um, me being I'm, I'm a literal person mm. very literal person so I take things literally you know mm. um, if someone says to me like my aunt said to me Tanya check and see if my keys are in my bag I went and checked they're in her bag she said where are they I said they're in the bag you told me to check I'm a literal person <laughs> right so when I first gave my first blowjob I was blowing him like this <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had to blow the blow the blow the dick. Blowing blow the, the penis. Oh wow. So, <laughs> now that joke doesn't normally go down well if it's a room full of women because Does they're like, it? oh my god, that why is are they hilarious. talking? They try and act like they're really from proper, but I'm like, <laughs> like all of do it. no one in this room is a virgin. Stop it. Like stop acting like no one has experienced this. You might not have blown the penis, but we all know I'm telling a joke, first and foremost. But secondly, Everybody has a sexual moment. Why are you acting like it can't be spoken about ever? And you've come to a comedy night. What more were you going to expect? Like if a man was up here talking about, you know, performing fellatio, he would be 
everyone being like, oh my God, it's so funny. You're hilarious. You should be on TV. But God forbid I do it. It's like, oh my God, no wonder she's single. <laughs> it <makes> <laughs> what? It doesn't make sense. It's a nightmare. Yeah, that's funny. Are you both single? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, so <laughs> well, I read a blog you um, wrote about kind of breaking yeah. up of a long t- term relationship. So. so, yeah, I was in a relationship for 13 years and then I came out of that relationship recently. So, I, I wanted to write about it. Well, it was part of my healing, really. It was really, obviously, it's really tough thing to go through and and just it was kind of like grief and um somebody said just write write what you're thinking and what you're feeling now because you won't feel like this in six months time so write it down um and channel it um and so I started writing firstly I was just writing poems because I couldn't make sentences um or full full paragraphs because it was just too much and then in the end I just kind of wrote something and um yeah and then I published put it on my blog and, and published it through Galdem as well Nice. See, thirteen years is a long time to be in a relationship, mm. and and you were were you married? No, no, we weren't married. Engaged? Got, no, not even engaged. Because so, <laughs> yeah, a, like, a lot, huh? <laughs> a lot, a lot of women will be like, huh? Huh? Yeah. So thirteen. So you had thirteen years of my life. Yeah. And, and um, I didn't even get a surname. Yeah, like not even a sur letter. <laughs> I wasn't. I definitely wasn't interested in being married at all. So okay. when I say I was, I was a feminist before it was fashionable, and I definitely was just like, I'm not taking a man's name. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to be married. And we were both like that. And then when it was like 10, 11 years, I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't want mind. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could we could still maybe do it. And I'll still be a feminist. But um, yeah, it just it just wasn't going to happen. Okay. It just it just wasn't. But we. We were just like, I think after a while you become really good friends. Mm. We were together from when we were like, um, he was 18, I was 20. So we were very young, although we thought we were growing, we were very young. And we just, we just became good friends in the end. And so the the romance, the chemistry, the chemistry yeah. kind of just went, although we still very much loved each other. We just had to, in the end, just make a, a painful separation. Mm. And so I guess with that separation kind of after so long, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you get over that? Yeah. What do you do to kind of get yourself back out there? I had to, I had to, to get, I had one relationship where I, I thought I was going to take his surname. So I, I, when we broke up, that changed my whole world. And it took me a long time to realise that I was entering new situations with the wrong mindsets and I'm comparing everybody. And if you don't match up, then it's kind of just, long for me do you know what I mean and then you end up being in lots of wrong relationships as a result but I had a conversation with him like four weeks ago which I feel like has set me free because it, I heard all I needed to hear do you mm. know what I mean and not everybody gets the opportunity to have that conversation and sometimes your relationship might not even need that mm. conversation but I do believe that you need to have a moment like what you did like blogging it and just channeling yeah. it and letting it go in yeah. order to move on do you know Definitely. what I mean so you said you, you said what you needed to hear what did you yeah. need to hear I, ne- I needed to hear my apology I needed my apology I needed it I needed to hear that I wasn't going crazy it wasn't just me do you know what I mean thinking all these different things and and um um, having certain reactions to certain situations, it wasn't just me. Did you know a man will make yeah, you feel like, you uh, crazy. hey, girl, like you need to have a white jacket and several belts? That's what you mean. Yeah, I, I needed to have that moment where it was like, yeah, you, and that's you because were right, it makes them feel better. Yeah, as well, it does. They're trying to cope with something and they can't, so it's just denial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then immediately, the, what I've noticed immediately is that now when I meet somebody, if I'm talking to him, I'm not comparing him. I'm just allowing him to just talk to me. Do you know mm. what I mean? So. That was good for me to move on, definitely. Mm. 
I found the dating thing like kind of crazy. Like the world has changed. Girl. What is going on? <laughs> From 13 years ago, for sure. There's like, people are sliding into DMs and thinking this you're is, their boyfriend, their yeah, girlfriend this, now. Like that's oh a God. real yeah. scenario. This is, yeah, this is just like a whole new world. It's like, yeah. Um, you know, there's Tinder now, there's plenty of fish, there's, you know, all this <laughs> online dating and things. So it is a different world to kind of 13 years ago. Yeah, there was, just had a Nokia. No, I don't even think Facebook even, was there exactly. There was it wasn't no even, Facebook. there was no, there wasn't social media was there 13 years ago. You, so you, still, you, you must have got like, a letter like will you be my girlfriend that was your time did you even have yeah, a mobile there was a, there was a mobile but okay. we didn't really text it was super expensive yeah it was just well, you voice mail you voice mail oh voice my god it was then it was that long ago it was free voicemail um, sending each other music sorry <laughs> um, yeah so things have changed um, a lot and do you know what's also difficult um, is the your ex or whoever being on social media and my ex isn't actually on a lot of social media but he's quite um he's got quite a profile so avoiding that like you could I imagine because I didn't have a long-term boyfriend before but you could just kind of not decide you're not going to see someone you don't see them yeah yeah but now you can now you can stalk them now you can stalk them you can be like oh so what are you up to now is this is this your new bae she ain't better than me that's really bad for the mental health I would I don't I just you just can't do that I found out I had a crazy friend as a result of social media because and I say friend in the loosest term there's this girl that I met via comedy she used to come to a lot of shows and so as a result now there was we went to lunch like twice right so um, one time she wanted to come out. Now, I don't, you know, like you want to go to certain places. You can't take certain people to certain places. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, I'm probably not going to go. Me like an idiot went and was Snapchatting, innit? <laughs> hey! Yeah. She was messaging me like she was my girlfriend and like proper going crazy, calling me all these different names. And I was like, okay, granted, I told you I weren't going to go, but... Don't really know you. I don't owe you anything. And if mm. you really want to go, you still could have come. It wasn't a legit thing that you had to come with me. And we just had a conversation. We're both going to the same place. So we were going to meet outside. You still could have rolled up. Yeah. But I found out that she was not well as she a result of... She thought she caught you out. But of what the world are we in? <laughs> but it's like, like um, Annika, you're saying, you can just stalk people and find out what people are doing. So people have a sense of entitlement. They yes. know what you're doing and where you are. Yeah. I think, I think social media has changed the landscape of friendships and how people mm. view kind of friendships and acquaintances as well. Kind of someone that you see as an acquaintance really now thinks they're your friend or thinks they know you because of what you post on social yeah. media. And actually, we don't see each other. Actually, we don't even talk on the phone. We don't, yeah. wa- we don't even WhatsApp. Yeah. So actually, we're not friends, we're not, really. Yeah. We're not even acquaintances. Right. Come on, <laughs> come on. Or even I had an experience where um, my Facebook was hacked. And so as a result, some people were deleted from my um, my list. So there's someone who I know and I've got their phone number. They didn't see me on Facebook, so assumed I wasn't talking to them. Wow. <laughs> that blew my mind. I was like, even if I, you thought that, you didn't even phone me. You, I have your phone number. We talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like, are you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm speechless even now that that was a thing. If I'm your friend on Facebook and I unfriend you, if I still have your phone number, for me, I'm like, that's because we're friends. I yeah. don't need you on Facebook to yeah. confirm my friendship with you. If we're friends, then we're friends. Mm. Also, I think um, social media is 
because of social media, some people have lost the art of communication. Yes. Normally, you would have just, if you hadn't heard from a friend or if something, you thought something was up, you would call that friend. Yes. Call yeah. People need to just be able to kind of communicate, Some real talk. human contact. Exactly. And, and that's what more people need. You know, things have changed from when, I guess, we're, I think we're all of a similar age kind of thing. Yeah. It'll take a few years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but things have changed a lot. But if you look back, what kind of advice would you ever give your younger self to kind of, when you think about the person you are now? So let's start with you, mm. Sophia. I would say it's going to take some time. I, I was quite ambitious and I always felt like I wasn't doing well enough. And I would get very stressed and very anxious. And I would tell my younger self, it's going to take some time, but it's going to be okay. And also, you don't need anybody to be happy. You are enough. That's what I would tell my younger self. You are enough. And so you mentioned getting stressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, was there, is, is there anything that you do to kind of help you with that these days, to kind of not get stressed or anxious in certain situations or um, about things? Yeah, because I suffer with... Uh, social anxiety so I'm really good in a you know conversation with one or two people but in a group or in group kind of situations I sometimes really I can freak out so um apart from avoidance I try to not put myself in I don't know if that's a good Mm -hmm. a good answer but I try to make sure that I'm in spaces and with people that I feel comfortable with Mm. um I do um pilates I did used to do yoga, but I just found that Pilates was a little bit more for me. I do. Um, I go to an acting coach who also does mindful uh, meditation. So he taught me how to control my breathing um, in stressful situations. And that also helps with audition technique and when you're feeling nervous um, and stuff like that. Also writing. I tend to write freehand as well, just writing what you think and literally mm-hmm. with a paper and a pen, not on notes. I always have a little notebook. I try and get like a pretty notebook. And I write, I just try and get it out. Yeah, that's good. Express yourself. Yeah. What about you, Tanya? What would you tell your younger self? I think I would say, you're all right. And when I say that, I mean, it's growing up, it was very easy because when you're the loudest person in the room, (laughs) it's very easy for people to rope you into things. So it was easy for me to get in trouble for stuff I didn't do because I was the loudest person in the room. It was very easy for people to group me in the horrible person category because I was the loudest person in the room mm. and it's like I'm not, I'm not a nasty person I'm just loud you know what I mean <laughs> yeah and I grew up like taking that on thinking that I was a horrible person so in certain situations even up to today if I enter a situation where there's like people I don't know I'm more likely to be quiet and draw back than present myself do you know what I mean because I don't want them to think I'm a nasty person mm. and I'm like it takes me a minute to be like well you stop being dumb like go and talk to people stop being stupid you're not a nasty person so I'd say to myself you're alright don't worry about it mm. it's about I guess being comfortable being yourself yeah. mm. in and around people and things yeah. and if they don't like you if they don't appreciate the kind of person you are then that's that's fine now, you know we've all got people that you know maybe not that we don't like, but actually are not our kind of people. Like I always say, my spirit doesn't take to them. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. my, that's why I say yeah. it. So you know, like that. Um, and it, it's all good because then they've got their own friends or their own group. Yeah. That um, you know that they're comfortable with and things. So it's um, definitely great that you're kind of aware of that and yeah. and changing that when you're in the different places and spaces and things because you want to be be able to be free and be yourself mm. exactly I think as women we're under so much pressure to be so many things mm. to be 
um, funny at the right time, but only at the right time, to be sexy at the right time, but only the right time, mm-hmm. to be intelligent, to be good at, in the home. There's so much that we are expected to do and it's, it's hard work, quite frankly. It's big hard time. work and I just big think, time. so my thing to me is just that you're enough, you're okay, like yeah. it's kind of similar to yeah. you, you know, yeah. you're you're, you're right. Doing okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. There but, should be a hashtag yeah. called "You're right." You're right. Yeah, yeah. we can start it. We, we can could. Start it. Yeah, you're like, you're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the busy kind of ladies that you are, how do you kind of set goals and things for for the new year ahead to kind of say this is what you know I want to do or this is what I want to achieve? One of the things that I like to do. Um, towards the kind of like end or at the beginning of the year is um, do a vision board. So I love kind of sitting down and I'll get the magazines and I'll be cutting up things and I'll be sticking them and I'll be looking at my last year's vision board. And I also, not just the vision board, but I write down the goals as well and say like, um, so I do that before I do the vision board. So I kind of know what pictures or what words I want to cut out that kind of um linked to the goals that I want to achieve and then I put it in a place where I can see it every day and take a picture of it and keep it on my phone so that kind of helps me to visualize and to remind myself of what I want to do or what I want to achieve and and sometimes you know I guess the thing is with vision boards as well you can have like the vision boards that are you know big dreams kind of thing that you might not necessarily even achieve in the year or you can have vision boards that are on a specific subject so it could be like oh this is what I want to achieve with my health and I have like or pictures of girls with washboard abs and um and running and you know being a bit idealistic (laughs) you know I might might not get abs and I might not be running every day but it's something that it's it's my vision that I'd like to achieve I might might like abs baby steps either way though I'm just saying you, you can do do different things and that's one of the things I like to do kind of each year to um to achieve my goals and things and and sometimes I didn't do it last year but I think I'm going to try and do it this year I try and get friends to kind of be um a bit of like accountability partners so say like tell them like speak it out loud to say this is what I want to do mm. and then have a friend to kind of check in to say what well, are you doing it how have you got on because then it makes me think Oh, I haven't done it. Oh God, I need to. I need to get on some motivation. Moti- exactly motivation. So, what is it, Sophia, that you like to do? Um, kind of, if anything, I didn't used to do anything. I used to have goals in my head, but I didn't write them down or anything. And then this January, when I was going through the breakup, I was like, okay, I need to like think about what I want and what I want to do. So I wrote it down. I wrote a, I wrote a five year plan, and then I wrote down this is in January. Then I wrote down a one year plan. Um, and I put it on my fridge in my new place and I looked at it the other day and I've ticked off, I think, by one box, I've ticked off everything that I wanted to do this year Amazing. and I feel so good about that. That's awesome. Um, and so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to check my five-year plan, see where I'm at and make my box. I'm going to put it back on my fridge and mm. I'm going to check it. That's yeah. awesome. I think if it's not written down, as yeah. I say, if it's not written down, it's not re- it's not real. Yeah. And if you haven't said it out loud, it's, it's not, not real. real. Yeah. No. So I think that's um, definitely something that um, is good to do. Yeah. I'm I'm similar to you in that I have a vision board. Okay, nice. Um, and I also write um, a list for the whole year of what I want to achieve for the whole year. So my vision board is on top of my TV. So it's the first thing I see. And then, also, if ever I'm feeling lazy, like I turn on the TV and I'm like, I could be doing some work. The vision board's right there to remind me, like, just turn it off and yeah. just get your work done. Otherwise, <laughs> what's the point? You're not going to get there if you don't do your work. So I'm a vision board and list person. 
Well, I'm sure you guys have got lots of amazing plans and things that you're going to achieve and I can't wait to witness it and see it. Amen. Whether it's more Thank acting you. opportunities, mm. getting on Comedy Central amen, and amen. having your own it. naming lights. I, I receive, receive it. Exactly. <laughs> Winning a BAFTA and all that all yeah. that good stuff. Oh, you were nominated actually. You were nominated? Just at an award show this year. No, nice. on my list. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Cool. A high five. I yeah. like high five. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so... How can people keep in touch and find out more about you? So, Tanya, where's the best place? How? Uh, best place to catch me is on YouTube, Tanya Moore, uh, T-H-A-N-Y-I-A, because it's spelled different. Um, but I'm on all social medias um, as just under Tanya Moore. Yeah, and you can see some really funny videos. She yes. does lots of def- different <laughs> sketches and involves lots of the other comedians on the comedy circuit. Yeah. And so you'll get some laughs looking at that. And you, Sophia? Um, you can find me on all the social medias under Miss Sophia Leone on Twitter and Instagram and I have a blog called sophiaandstuff.com um, where I, I've got the blog that I was talking about um, and lots of stuff talking about social anxiety um, is naked selfie empowering um, is, not, naked, is, is naked selfie naked- empowering? No. No. Mm-hmm. No. no. Uh, good. Just, 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 just to make blog, that clear. Because I didn't think yeah, 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 yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, But there's a lot of stuff on the blog and there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Yes. Cool. Amazing. Thank you, ladies. It's been awesome Thank having you. you here on the Black Magic Podcast. Keep the magic going. When you think of British girl groups, Mystique, one of the biggest. Sabrina Washington rose to fame as the lead singer in the group. I'm sure you remember their banger, Scandalous. She's also appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. This is her story in her own words. Hi, I'm Sabrina, former lead singer of Mystique. Mystique were three girls together, myself, Alicia and Sulise, and we came on the garage scene and it was huge. We started as an R&B group. We loved R&B. Our first single, Why, was an R&B version. We got a garage version at the time by Matt Jam Lamont, and it just blew up. It just blew up. It's weird because obviously myself, being from Harsden, Northwest 10, Alicia, being from Hertfordshire, and Sue, being from South London, we all got together. And (laughs) Mystique was brought about. Did we think that Mystique would be as big as it could be? To tell you the honest truth, we all had great ambition and we wanted it to be the biggest it could be. So we would do whatever we needed to do in order to make sure that our music was being played. We started out at Butlins and then we started on the urban scene, but we had to go in order to start building up our showmanship. And we just, it didn't, we didn't care about being paid. We just enjoyed performing and the response that we got to our music. So yeah, we had a lot of years of not being seen. And it's weird because when we came on the scene, everyone was like, oh my God, these girls have come on the scene. But there was so much hard work that was put in behind the scenes between us. We was up and down on buses, everything to make sure that we got to do our shows and our rehearsals and just to make sure that we was getting our performance, our songs right and rehearsing in the bedrooms and singing out loud. It was hard work behind the scene, but when it came out, 
It was amazing. We traveled the world. We was in Japan, we was in Australia. We was everywhere you could think about. We got to see the world and broaden our horizons as in what we wanted and what was possible. Because sometimes when you're stuck in one place, you don't think that things are possible, but our travel made us wiser. And in our travel and especially sharing it with each other, it was such an amazing experience. We went from being in our local areas to being at Buckingham Palace opening up for the Queen. That was one of our biggest things. And then we always used to watch the mobos on the telly. And then finally we was on there. We even got to perform twice and the Brits. So Solid and Mystique done the Brits in the same year. It was amazing. Like those were groundbreaking things for us. We couldn't even believe it at the time, but it was amazing. We saw so many amazing things and we experienced so many amazing things together. I have been blessed to be a part of Mystique and the impact that we made and the movement that we came from, I'm just grateful for it all. I'm looking for the next mystique. We've left room for somebody else to fit in. I know that it's hard. I know the struggle, what it is to actually get there because we went through it. But if you're not scared, you're not dreaming big enough. And the main thing is to make sure that you dream because everything is possible. And who knows, if no one steps forward, then us ladies might have to come and take off where we left. So don't leave it too long. <laughs> the advice I would give to a younger self, I'd say is keep your head straight and keep going. Don't be put off your path by outside voices. At the end of the day, if no one is doing what you want to do, how can they advise you? Keep your head straight, keep going, and don't think about what other people's fears are because they then become your baggage that you carry. So keep straight, keep going, and keep persevering and you'll get there. I strongly have faith that God is always on the job. I know sometimes it seems a bit weary, and for me, at times it has been weary, but at the end of the day, God's always shown up. So the thing is, is that I just have faith, and I believe God is the answer to all. To Sue and Alicia, I'd just like to say thank you for making our experience so tremendous and amazing. And to think that we done that all these years ago and people are still remembering what we did. So it just goes to show that we done something great. At the end of the day, as we know, it's always love. And I'll see you girls soon. So this is the magic. Turn something challenging into something inspiring. Join every episode of the Black Magic podcast by subscribing on the Acast and iTunes podcast apps. We're also on Stitcher and Player FM. All the women featured in the series will be featured on the Colour Network website, where you can see videos and images of this year's Black Magic Awards. Do spread the word and share the magic. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Unedited.